Hi, everybody. A few months ago, we missed our little better than bad talk because uh, I don't have a good excuse except for that it came out on Black Friday. So with no future just coming out, let's do both so that we can have no future and also be better than bad because using titles of things is makes you seem witty and smart. Uh I have a couple of people here with me to talk about these books. I have a Mary Sue. Hello. Who's been drinking, so forgive her. Shut up! Why do we have to announce that? Shh! It's because you're too happy. <laughs> I'm always happy. Um, we have Oz. Hi. I'm not drinking yet. I have a cat in my lap, <laughs> so he won't let me move to make a drink. That is the law. And we have friend of the show, Zakara, hanging out. Hello. Well, I mean, he's not just a friend of the show. He also does some work on our website. Yeah, why don't you tell him about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, my work on the website was pretty much copy-paste a bunch of stuff for Chuck. <laughs> uh, no, you made sure what you copied and pasted made sense and looked good and was entertaining for people. Don't sell yourself short. Sure, yes, I did that. I am not drinking, so, you know. <laughs> Silence. Okay. So, that's everybody that's here, and I am going to lead the discussion by keeping everybody else on track on what we're going to talk about. So, we're going to start with Better Than Bad first. And, uh, Oz... You have written a review on this that posted on Reddit, and people can find it there. And you have actually done it as the good, the bad, and the ugly. Mm-hmm. So would you like to start with the good, or do you want to start with the bad and get progressively more positive? So I have often been taught that you start good, and then you bring it down a bit with some critique, and then you bring it back up with another good thing, and you just kind of go up and down and up and down now. Okay, so let's Can, all let's everybody talk about what's your favorite thing about Better Than Bad. What's the best? What was the good? Uh, full disclosure, this was the second mm-hmm. book that I had input on. Just to get okay. that out there. My, my now dumb. I have to get a physical copy to get my next autograph. Thank you. Right. Uh, right. I hate you so much. <laughs> you love me. Speaking of which, if we do go to Gen Con and people bring me books. You I are. Will, yeah. I will, like, if and that if while we are at Gen Con this scenario happens, I will totally probably find a Sharpie or something to carry with me to be dumb. You guys can <gasps> oh all make God. me miserable. I'm just going to spring it on you and just scream in the middle of the vendor room. Right I'm going to in front of me. I'm going to turn around and <laughs> leave. Oh my God. No, no, That's no. What we do great. is we drag it. We drag him to the catalyst booth. Then we do it. <laughs> yes. He has no. to, oh my he God. Has to have, he has to have mirror sunglasses on though. I'll just get, I'll just get one of the MCU disguises, you know, hat, sunglasses. We're, we're good. Yeah. Look, it could be worse. I could do it in the middle of a lore panel. <laughs> we should Yo, do it there, too. No joke. <laughs> I have the idea of if he tries to call me out again, if we do a Spartacus. <laughs> All right. But let's talk about because we are getting derailed. What, what was the best about Better Than Bad? Who wants to go first? 
uh, Bam should go first, because full Absolutely. disclosure, this was the second book that he had input on. Uh, full disclosure. Look, I'm trying to be legally, uh, I don't know. I don't want somebody to be like, oh, look how much he loved the thing that he was involved in and didn't say anything about it. Um, Fuck that. What runners. did you do on this book? Yeah, what, there you what go. What were you a part of on this uh, book? I was asked for input on what basically amounts to, I believe, everything except for life modules as far as mechanics. And okay. uh, the Hooder Runs table, I didn't have anything to do with. Um, I don't want to hear about what you didn't have to do with. I want to hear about what you did. So I feel like this is one of those things where it's easier to say what I wasn't involved with than what I was. <laughs> okay. All right. Like, um, I didn't do it. I didn't see anything about any of the lore because okay. that's not my strong suit. Um, the life modules, because life modules, I dislike greatly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're an interesting <laughs> idea, but they're not implemented well. Uh, and then the random create a run table, I think, was all that I didn't have. Okay, so you weren't part of the hood run generation table? Yeah. Okay, were you part about how to raise loyalty and connection? Uh, I think I was tangentially related to that with some ideas. Well, let's talk about that, because now we can actually raise contact, loyalty, and connection. We can, and that is pretty awesome. Bamps, why is that pretty awesome? Because it empowers your players. (laughs) Oz, why is that pretty awesome? Well, because previously... We had really no method to be able to improve the contacts, which was, I mean, they're a valuable and some may say even a critical resource for a Shadowrunner is having people you know. And the ability to acquire more people after character generation is entirely dependent on the GM. And once you've got that person, more than likely that is where they're going to stay. So being able to have rules to increase their connection and their loyalty, mechanically, it's just great. Here, here's a thing that doesn't have to rely on the GM. Okay. So Zakara, as a player and a GM, because you, you GM a home game, what do you think about this? So contacts are pretty unique to Shadowrun as far as games that I play. So... I like it because it does empower my players to, you know, have, once they do have a contact, they can increase them, make them better. It's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. And as a GM, it also is good because it's less work for me, and <laughs> I don't have to keep track of all those contacts and go, hey, this contact is better now. I can point my players at this and go, hey, you kind of do this stuff on your own. Truly Which a is. student of BAMPs on the Lazy GM <laughs> Avenue. Sometimes. <laughs> I am a river to my people. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right context for that quote, but it was a Matt Coville video when he well, was talking about helping people GM. Well, like what Oz says, um, players who create a character with contacts, I feel like those contacts are uniquely their contacts. So giving them the ability to take a mechanic and increase, make that better is good. And then I can just handle my contacts I give them, which is fun. Okay, so contacts, they are 
I've actually experienced some people don't find a lot of value in them. Some people find great value in them. Is this a, a CGL basically saying, look, you know, contacts are integral to the game and you guys should be using them? Is that why we now have this mechanic? Mm, yes and no, I guess. And I know that's a cop-out answer. Um, <laughs> yes, in that, in the way that I run and the way I play games, um, your Rolodex is just as powerful a weapon as your Panther Assault Cannon. And God help you if you have both of them. Uh, <laughs> because they they're the people that are associated with you that can get you that they can do the things that you cannot do yourself. So if I need to say, slow down the rebuilding of a public water system, then I'm going to call my contact, the Guadalajara and handyman to slow that down. Cause Hey, look at that. They won the contract. If I need to get rid of a body, Hey, I know somebody in, Taminus, they'll take care of that for me and we'll meet over drinks, but probably at a neutral location. And then no, because it's not necessary to the game, because if you're just going to do the big dick door kick, then what contact you have doesn't matter, because the only contact that does matter is bullet against flesh. Okay. It definitely depends on your runners and the type of game you Banks, I know. Any final thoughts? Oh, sorry. Go on. No, you're fine. I know like a lot of people don't like the terms black trench coat and pink mohawk. Mm-hmm. But, like a more I hate them. <laughs> black trench coat style game is going to use more <laughs> contacts, and whereas a mm-hmm. pink mohawk game will probably use less. Or contact will be more for hey, I need this big gun. Can you get it for me? Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, sometimes contacts are just used as a as a shopping mall. Sometimes they're used for RP. It depends on your table. Bamps, any final thoughts on that? Contacts are amazingly powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played a character on the Rudder Hub for a significant period of time that never advanced in their own uh, statistical prowess and instead invested all of their resources into meeting new and interesting people so that when I was in a run and I was in a situation, I had a button to push because sometimes it's like, man, I need this thing. Like the water repairs to go really slowly. Most times people are like, Oh, I can't do that. And I'm like, I know a guy. Okay. No, they are a very powerful element to the game that I think people don't utilize often. And and now that we have the ability to actually raise loyalty and connection, hopefully now people will start to start to, you know, utilize them in a in a greater way. Sure. I mean, we're still gonna see people who are going to dump as much connection and loyalty into their arms dealer as possible so they can get that mm. Panther assault cannon easier. <laughs> um but much like my philosophy on building characters is start tall and build out. I would do mm-hmm. the same thing with contacts. Have one or two tall ones. Your fixer starts tall. Get that get that five two. Get that six one. Whatever it is, and then everything else. Just have this nice blanket of rating two and three connection contacts that'll be able to do everything else for you. Okay, so let's go on to uh, 
Bames, you mentioned not having a part of the uh, hood-run generation table. Not having a part of it, can you tell me your thoughts on it? Um, I could. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Will you? <laughs> there, there's a lot of for. There's eight tables here combined that you roll d6s and you consult and go through that kind of stuff. As with anything that has uh, 18, 24, has like 50 entries in it, you're going to eventually hit something that doesn't that doesn't make sense somewhere. And then you're like, oh, wait, this, uh, like one of them, the team is contacted by an awakened or magical creature like a spirit metasapient or dragon in metahuman form. It's like, well, if your team is, you know, an arm of humanus or mm-hmm. um, something else just that bumps up against it. Um, or I guess the, the better uh, representation of that is no one makes contact. The situation just happens. So it's like, okay, um, how does that work out in some of the, the other rest of the options here? Um, okay. That being said, the more tools to help out new GMs, the better for everybody. Absolutely, because some GMs, you know, especially when they're new, maybe they're they're like, I don't, I don't know how to build this kind of a run. What do I do? So you're saying that because we have these tables and you roll dice, they may not work out. But um, Oz, you you write, you you've wrote, written several reviews, so. Could these instead be viewed as writing prompts or just even just run prompts? Well, sure. I mean, on, on page 165 of Better Than Bad, it even says, you feel free to change the details as necessary. I mean, every GM should know their table. And if you've got a, a squad of Humanus for some reason, and I hope to God you don't, then <laughs> you know you change the awakened magical creature dragon, metahuman, whatever. Although, from a writer's perspective, that's the start of forcing some human supremacists to do a good thing, and then they'll find out at the end that they did this good thing when they didn't want to, and they'll be all angry about it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, this is this is a list of prompts, and I mean, you can roll the dice, or you could blow them up real big and put them on a dartboard, that would be fun too, or just, you know, <laughs> picking five at random and just going from there. And it's just, you, you get the, the two sentences that you need to, to start a run and then you let your players paint the picture. Okay. So Zakara, how, how do you see yourself using this generation, this run generation table? I almost never use these kind of tables in the way they're meant <laughs> to be used. <laughs> Usually what I do with these kinds of tables, if I do use them, is I will go through and I will go, okay, I need an idea for this thing. So I will go for this part of whatever it is I'm making up. Like, I need mm-hmm. a, a contact. Okay, well, let's look through here because this might give me some ideas. And that's generally what I do sometimes overall. But for the most part, I find the randomness of these tables, like what Bam says, you almost always end up with something that doesn't mesh with everything else and it, it makes and yeah, sometimes that's fun to try to write around but other times it's just not if you're using these kind of tables you probably aren't trying to find something super complex so, it's what happens hmm. when your players are like oh that run you've been working on for like a week now we're not going to do that one 
<laughs> right. This is this is the kind of table you use when you're like your players aren't taking the hooks and they decide to do something else entirely. Oh, players that don't see the hooks. Okay. It the happens. jerks. Go yeah. off and build a drug lab in Lagos. Who knows? Or, or they decide that the guy that they got hired is actually some weird, crazy person and mm-hmm. gets super paranoid and stuff. I mean, that happens. <laughs> I totally had a rigger who was super suspicious about a tailor. He thought the guy was a vampire, and he was fully convinced that if he threw a cup of rice at this guy, he would be able to get away because the vampire would have to stop to count it. And was, it, was this Bickle? No, it wasn't no. Bickle. I, that was uh, <laughs> that was back on GT when uh, mm. I had uh, Joyride way back in the day, and it was. Um, we used him as a contact on the hub. The the table. Oh. The, uh... oh yeah. Yeah. So, so I for one, and I'll give my opinion, even though it's not wanted. Um, I for one think the generation, the run generation table is good for those new GMs that maybe just are so overwhelmed with all the rules that they don't want to also have to think of a run. I do agree that the randomness of dice rolling may not be the way to operate these tables. It may be just going through and picking the things you like, treating them as the prompts to get you going. Um, but I, I think it's a good thing. To It's a good starting point for some GMs. So oh, that's definitely, my <laughs> Definitely a good tool to have. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think they're ever used the way that they are presented. Okay. Any final thoughts on this before I move to the next item? Mm, no, no. I no? think uh, if I ever run out of ideas for a run, then I'll gladly pull some stuff from random at this uh, at this table. See how my my players take it, and then go from there. Yo, I'm telling you, Fresh Prince run. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, it's like it's like the show is paying you royalties. Can you? <laughs> right. Right. You so, guys have been on the internet. You know about those Frank calls, right? Yes, I do. Okay, that that's why it's funny. Uh huh. Sure. <laughs> sure. I hate. It. Yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We totally believe in you, Jam. Um. So the next thing I want to talk about is something I'm surprised that is this truly the first book that has it? Hyperlinked table of contents. It is not the first. Mm hmm. But it's been a while. Wow. Um, I do know that I was spoiled because the SR5 uh, core hymnal did have the hyperlink table of contents. Um, this thing, better than that, at least the copy that I have, has the um, the bookmark links uh, in the PDF reader, which is super nice. And uh, it makes it nice and easy to do this and that. Or hmm. at least getting to the... Uh, yeah, it's also hyperlinked there too. Oh my god, it's so great. <laughs> this is something I wish more companies would see and consistently. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pathfinder's oh. books are awful. They don't some of them have it, some <laughs> of them don't. It's yeah. I mean you could have just stopped at Pathfinder books. Are yeah, well you know. Oh. <laughs> Pathfinder is my other game. No, oh, I, I enjoyed sorry. Pathfinder when I played it. Um but yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. Like the post editing 
is unsung and it is so incredibly potent when it's Mm -hmm. used correctly like it adds so much so these little these little bits just add so much polish for a minimum of effort especially with a crunch game like this Mm -hmm. yes so let me ask you guys this and and bamps i want you to answer first Uh um they have a hyperlink table of contents but they didn't include an index i had nothing to do with that not that you had anything to do with that but why? I don't know. You I mean, accusatory. does that hurt? Does that hurt to not have that index? But is it is it? I don't need an index because I have a hyperlink table of contents. Uh, I have no good answer for that because okay. I am terrible when it comes to books. <laughs> However, I don't see um indexes are great, right? Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they tell you page numbers and stuff in a way that. Control F won't because it's like, oh, let me just go ahead and go to the back of the book where the index is. And you're like, okay, I'm going to push, I'm going to go look in the index for whatever it is you're looking for. And it'll tell you the page number where if you, uh, I was answering a question on Reddit today that was like, um, it had to do with AIs and them having essence. And I had to control F essence in data trails and it was like here's a million other places that it shows up okay so being able to go in does that hurt did that hurt them at all not having that index do you think it hurts i think that if we've got one and not the other on a shorter book like this it's not that as big of a deal like if this and because this is specifically this is more of a this is more of a fluff slash philosophy book like i covered in my review Mm -hmm. um on a crunch heavy book like SR5 will have it's got the it's got the table of contents but it's also got the index and because there's so much crunch in it because obviously it's the player's handbook or the core rulebook um it needs to have it so if you have a crunch heavy book you absolutely positively please god have an index i mean in this case in this book turning to the back of the book is basically turning to where the new rules are anyways so which is what most people are going to do in an index. Right. So you you mentioned philosophy. Uh, uh, so that's that's kind of what this book is. It's it's that philosophy of we don't have to be criminals. We can be the Robin Hoods, basically, of this setting. And that kind of, to me, I love the game because I get to be a criminal. Um, I don't want to be a white knight. I don't want to be the good guy. But this book is apparently speaking to a lot of the players and fan base that actually enjoy that aspect of the game. Yeah. So um, we have to remember that Shadowrun, ideally, first and foremost, is a cyberpunk setting. And cyberpunk means that, you know, you've got you've got the, the dystopia of, you know, big, big corporate, big power, big authority. Um, fascist ideology, whatever, what have you. Um, they rule the world, but they don't control everybody. And it's being able to stand up and saying, yeah, I'm the little guy, but I'm going to kick you in the nars now. And, you know, we can, we can play by the corpse game and commit super crime for money and we can live great or we can do bad things for good reasons. And we can make everybody else's life, including ours, a little bit brighter 
for a period of time. You know, you may you may not win the war, but like in Call of Cthulhu, you can win that battle and the sinless breathe another day. And it might be a little bit warmer, air might be a little bit cleaner. And eventually someone's going to roll in and, and bring the boot heel down. But for that moment, man, everybody's free and it's great stuff. What do you think about it, Vamps? Oh. Being the good guy in a criminal simulation game. Shadowrun is a game where, if you want, it has enough stuff to support a play style from professional criminals to a small gang that is, you know, fighting for turf to corporate wage slaves in a bad position to the band doing whatever it takes to make it big. This is just a book specifically aimed at the people that are trying to to do whatever it takes to make it big. Uh, okay. The second part of this, when we get to talking about no future is more for like, there's rules in there for uh, playing gigs and stuff. You, don't, don't step on, don't step on the top. No, we're on better than bad. No, no future talk. No, stop it. I'm now going to reference as much as I can in no future. Okay. We're going to move on now because you just stepped on my toes and they hurt now. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't feel sorry um, for her. <laughs> um, can, if, uh, if, hmm. if I can add to that conversation mm-hmm. real quick. Um, so mm-hmm. better than bad, I think fifth edition Shadowrun in particular, there's never, there wasn't really a good side. Everything's kind of just crime, crime, crime all the time with <clears throat> Shadowrun fifth edition. And I think this book kind of, brought some things back that a lot of people were looking for that were in previous editions. I mean, a lot of the lore is written from the standpoint of we're the little guys trying to do right against the big guy, even though we're technically criminal. Hmm. So I think that this book just brings some of that back. And I think previous editions had some of that, but fifth edition didn't really... Maybe I'm not making any kind of sense. <laughs> no, I think you're trying to say that it's, it's, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, but you feel this brought back some of the anarchy of it. It's fighting against the man and fighting against the man is not succumbing to being the corporate pawns, but to actually fight to make a change. Right. I think that's part of the reason that a lot of people are drawn to Shadowrun. It's kind of a, it's us against the man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anybody have any final thoughts before I move on? Uh, <laughs> uh, um, a little bit. Like you mentioned uh-huh. people being drawn to shadow. And I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, cool. We can be criminals. We can be a, uh, an evil D and D party without really getting it. Like, sure. You can, you can be, Badass street samurai dude, but you can also be, you know, the guy who was the one of the uh, one of the examples I always bring up is the the police officer who was undercover. Then the crash happened, and all of a sudden he's lost his his sin in the process. And now it's like, are you really undercover anymore, or have you become your cover identity? Like, there's so many other little interesting aspects to. Shadowrun characters and better than bad just helps to uh, add depth to one of them. 
No, that is that is a great point. Um, no, that you're absolutely right. Um, counterspelling in the form of gear. This is the gray the grayware, correct? Yes. Yep. So let's hear about that because is this helping Mundane's fight magic run, as we've heard it often called? I guess I'll start. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Um, this, um, I mean, magic run is always going to be a thing because it is a lot less Nuyen intensive than it is karma intensive. And now that better than bad has codified the working for the man, working for the people rules. So you can convert cash to karma. Then anybody who slings mojo can just be like, yes, I will live the aesthetic lifestyle. And then I will throw force 12 power bolts. Ha ha. But having, because I guess I see so few mages take counterspelling, which just, hamstrings their team because sure a a good offense is a great defense but in those edge cases where you are walking into an ambush and somebody tosses that powerball then your team has a lot less chance of making it out of there alive so having free counterspelling dice woven into your armor is honestly pretty great like i i think it's better balanced so to speak than some of the other stuff that i've seen i'm still up in the air about blight because i think uh it's it's basically the uh dmso narcoject of anti-magic but i think that it gave uh mundane players an edge against casters and especially it's giving gms more tools to use if a if you, they've got a player who does nothing but, oh, I'm just going to, I'm just going to throw a fireball at it, like it, it gets rid of the fizz bands. Anybody else have any thoughts on uh, the gray work here? I'm waiting for him to go first. Sakara, do you like it? This new gear for your, for your as a player or for your players as a GM, do you like this or is this something now that you have to deal with? As far as being a GM to overcome, to do you have to now throw more things at your players because now they have something to kind of weaken magic enemies? I don't think I don't think I've ever thought of addition to a game like that. <laughs> like more work for me, or but no, um, really, Greyware is a I think is a great addition to like armor and things as far as. Allowing mundanes to combat magic. Like most of my players are mundane, and I sometimes I haven't really thrown them against a lot of magic because of that kind of thing. Whereas now I could possibly throw more of that stuff at them. So it's it's kind of a I don't know a gray area if you will because hey. <laughs> because I try to run things well my. My players, Johnson, would know their capabilities, so they, you know, if they're not good against magic, they would go away from magic runs, those kind of things. Whereas I could now say, hey, here's some new stuff we want you to try out. Have a little fun with them. That's Addy your cue, Vamps. Yeah, well, then I heard you cue up as if you were going to say something, so I let you have it, because I don't want to step on your toes. <laughs> 
please, please, please tell us what your thoughts are. The, uh, the aspect that I like the most about the gray stuff mm-hmm. is that at current, or not at current, at prior to its existence, mundanes had to rely on Awakened to defend themselves. You couldn't do anything but hope and pray when that power bolt or whatever came flying at your face. Now you at least have a way that you can increase your uh, increase your ability to defend yourself. So uh, now they like, oh shit, I'm worried about magic. Let me go ahead and get a suit of armor that has anti-magic shit in it. You know, like that's. No, I, I agree with that. I think in my two new yen worth here is for the setting. If magic is something uh, that's in the world, I would think as a mundane, I would fear it. I don't understand it. So I'm going to fear it. And so I would seek out. And if I was a corp, I would make things to sell that would protect me from magic. This big fear. Corporations love to trade off of fear. So it makes perfect sense to sell gear that can protect you from magic. If it's you uh, if you actually check into the lore of it, um, mm-hmm. one of the few lore things that I know about, um, it like the jetpack is a failed experiment. Mm. Like this was our in, uh, market panic. I think it was removed. Uh, who lost their AAA status? Because I don't remember. Neonet did. Mm. Yeah, this was tech that somebody stole from Neonet when they blew up. And it's like, yes. you know what? This shit doesn't work properly, but fuck it. We're going to sell it anyway. I wouldn't even say it, it doesn't work properly. It's just that it was in R&D when Neonet folded. So mm-hmm. they saw the writing on the wall and took the prototypes and were like, you know what? This is good enough for the work that we want, which is selling it on the black market. So... Yeah. Everybody wins except the corpse. And now, <laughs> who knows? You know, six months down the line, we may see the corpse start refining this stuff. Yeah, so it brushes up against the separation of uh, mana and technology, but it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't really break it. I don't think because it's not, it's not functioning as was intended. Any final thoughts before I move on? I'll no. take that as a no. No, I think right. we're good. So we're going to move to a little bit of the bad and the ugly side. And I I want to talk about now everyone's favorite Mary Sue. Harlequin gets a page in the book as well as hearing more about uh, from the Jack Pointers, Clockwork and Kane and Dev Girl. Now, there's a, a lot. There's actually a Reddit thread which is asking people <laughs> to rate they're Jack Pointers in order of who they hate the most. And it. so why, Oz, did you put this as bad and ugly when the Jack Pointers are actually the ones that give us perspective on the information in the book? This is, this is CGL's proposed avenue to help explain the material in the book. So why is this bad? Why is this counted as ugly? What, what's wrong with this? All right. So um, when I wrote this review, there was I was being, of course, tongue in cheek in some cases. Now, you have indicated the parts of the bad and the ugly that are specifically related to 
um, let's say flagship characters of uh, of the series. Now, over the past, I guess, week or so, including the Reddit thread in which you know rate your your top ten worst Jack pointers, I had a discussion uh, loosely described anyway a discussion with one of the freelancers russell z uh russell zimmerman he is he is wonderful i met him at gen con uh he's great um don't hurt me sir um but basically the thing i don't like about this is they're not um they're written almost schizophrenically um because these books are written a a freelancer will write everything on a section so all the fluff on the section, all the crunch on the section, all the jackpoint comments from from all the different jackpointers in the section. And their view of this character is going to be different from somebody else who wrote the character, who going to be different from the person who originally wrote the character. And because of that, there are it feels like, you know, the the personality of these characters will change from from section to section. Uh, from book to book, obviously. And then a lot of these guys are, they've been flanderized. I mean, at first they may have had certain nuances, certain mores, you know, uh, a uniqueness that was engaging. But as we've gone on, it's been 10 years since CGL took this property over. They, they took it over right around the 20th anniversary of Shadowrun. We've had the same people in here for so long with very little movement one way or another that they're all Mary Sue's or, or Marty Stew's. Um, I'm certain that Clockwork, who is my number one hated runner, had some redeeming qualities. Instead, he is this literal hobgoblin who just shits on pretty much anybody under him, Technomancers especially, which I kind of get. I don't like Technomancers either. But this dude legit has like millions upon millions of Nuyen in in accounts. Why the fuck is he running? What else can he buy? He's he's hit the point where he could retire for life at a high a high lifestyle and not have to worry about it. And in this book, which was great, this this uh, this newbie runner comes out of nowhere. And actually, he was in a previous book, but everybody forgets that. Comes out of nowhere, hacks this dude, and steals 1.5 million new yen and just donates it to pro techno uh, nonprofits. Like, that part was amazing. They, they've broken out of the mold, they've broken the status quo because you just had this, all these boring ass people who used to have personalities who are now just offering cookie cutter color commentary and then somebody else comes in upsets that status quo which is the punk part of cyberpunk this is what you're supposed to be doing and in a way kind of shows that even the shadows have become what they were originally fighting against so i've gone in a big giant circle but my teal dl too long didn't listen is these guys kind of suck because they're written so differently yet they're all boring because they've had the life sucked out of them. Let them die. What do um, what do you other two think about about that? Do you think it's time for these Jack Pointers to be retired and new ones to come in? I'll defer to the guest. Oh, I'm being political. Leave me alone. 
Honestly, when I read most of these books the first time through, I tend to ignore the jackpot insertions of things because they often, well, they don't usually add anything to the conversation and mostly just parroting what was already on the page. And I understand that it's their way of kind of being, hey, these characters, this is in-universe kind of thing, but honestly, I could... Okay. All right. Well, your guest has spoken, Bams. Oh, man. So, (laughs) there... An interesting idea was mentioned about whether or not we need them, and I had the thought that uh, maybe... Maybe their time has come and gone. And maybe we need a different set of Jack Pointers for every edition. Maybe your first core book is the the old guard handing over to this new guard, whoever they may be, something like that. But the fluff sections are both the strongest and weakest points of the system because well the setting. Because too often stuff from what they say gets gets taken from fluff and people interpret it as mechanics and oftentimes it is not. Um, I had something else and I don't remember what it was now, but I, they lack a consistency that makes sense. And the biggest one I usually point to is I believe dev girl because here she is as a nobody college student and locates the most, like hard to find pirate in the world. Just like, Hey, I'm gonna do this. Is that cool? It doesn't make narrative sense. Okay. There's a lot about Kane that doesn't make narrative sense or, <laughs> or dev girl, if we're to be dev honest, girl. but, but yeah, no, Bams is right. There's, there's a lot that doesn't make narrative sense. Like I think probably, Two of the most well-written people are, and I know I'll get flack for this later when people listen to this, but Netcat and Slamo. They have, had an arc. Right. But they're, they're also like, Slamo is at the point he doesn't, basically doesn't run anymore. He's, he's the quintessential Van Decker because he's a stay-at-home dad, but he just, he's stepping further and further back and he'll write on what interests him, but he's not, um, he's not as annoying as some of the other people who are active quote unquote. And it, you can tell cause it's really easy to write him. I just, I find it hard to connect with the personas as it were, probably because they are all over the place. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So, excuse me. Um, so I bring up that, that Reddit thread and I know Reddit gets a lot of, um, especially Shadowrun subreddit. <laughs> gets a lot of flack for just being a salt line. But that thread actually was um was actually I thought a thought-provoking one that could have led to a lot of good uh discussion and constructive criticism. And that's why I bring it up now, not to bash the jack pointers, but to say is it really like is their time done? Do we need new one? I'm going to pop this thread open again here. So, um, and I know, I know the freelancers like their, like their creations Uh and, and, and I understand the mechanic of using them. It adds a little flavor to the book, 
And I, 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 I like it too. Although I also don't read them, Sakara. I don't. Um, I but feel- it's still a really. I mean, I, I, for some people, it is a flavorful aspect of it. But is it really just now tired, and we need new ones? Maybe you know, instead of Jackpoint, they could do something else entirely. Like, I don't know, maybe a different data, data even, or even not even Deckers, as it were, people being online. So are we saying that this is just old now? We just need something fresh. I feel like it's been around for a bit, and that's mm-hmm. maybe why, why people are starting to push back against it, because mm-hmm. we've seen this format over and over again, and it's time to do something different. Yeah, originally we had the Shadowlands BBS, and that's how you know that this is old, because it was a BBS, which you never see anymore. Um, and so you had Captain Chaos, and there were a couple of others. Um, most everybody from first, second, and third edition are, they're gone. Just flat out. You may find one or two occasionally, you know, I think, um, well, of course, the, um, the other Mary Sue's of the setting, the Great Dragons, um, Aaron the Scribe, a couple others, they, sh- they still show up on Jackpoint, but, as Zakara said, we've been dealing with these guys for 10 years now, in-game and out. And so it has just been, they're just locked in this, oh yeah, we're totally safe here, and nothing's going to make us change. Yeah, um, bring in some new blood, but at the same time, um, because, and we'll bring this up again later in this recording, make sure, one, you're getting permission from the person who played that person that character to use that character and maybe throw a bit of a shout out to the person who actually created the character. If it's not that particular freelancer that put them in, because in this thread, they're talking about bull, the best orc decker you've never met. And the person who played bull, which is Steven Rakovich, um, who also works, uh, he worked on missions, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, also a cool guy. He didn't write that character to be in the books. Somebody else threw him in as an homage. And according to Russell, I don't think he's ever written Bull in any of these books. So somebody just like, oh, hey, this would be cool. Didn't ask him and just snap this thing up and tries to sell books on it, which is a problem for me who went to journalism school and it sets off my copyright infringement first amendment law uh yes 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 okay (laughs) let's not get into the legal discussions (laughs) right i know i'm sorry okay not sorry okay okay i'll stop now um all right so let's move on from this this topic unless uh bams has any more to add no not really Okay. All right. So the last thing I want to talk about with Better Than Bad, and I'll let you all have your final thoughts on it, but the last thing I want to talk about, and this is to Oz, because I kind of want to challenge this a little bit. Like, why was this put under the bad? How many quadriplegic runners are we going to see now? Like, like why is that that a bad thing that they, they added that element or or flavor to the to the game. Why did you put that under bad? Okay. So um one 
Good shot. Ow. Uh, calling me out. That being said, um, I normal. I don't. I don't have a thing against people taking negative qualities that leave them disabled in some way or another. Paraplegic- and that's not what I'm suggesting at all. That that's why you did that. I'm just curious as to why was it put under bad? Did you see it as a non-functioning thing? Like, how does this actually narratively work, or what? So, please go on. Okay, so. Um, the reason I was saying that is because paraplegic, which is the, um, basically the, the quadriplegic light is, is the first one. I have no problems with that. Like you can still be somewhat mobile, but a quadriplegic runner is for all intents and purposes, they're, they're taking being a van decker or a van rigger. And getting mechanical bonuses for stuff that they already do, which is hide in the car and be passive. They're not being part of the team. They're not there with the team. They are a brain in a flesh-colored jar in a car that's in the alleyway 300 meters away when the shooting starts. And philosophically, I have a huge problem with that because it's something that I fought against. On the hub, I fight against it in my games. The few times that I have rolled a decker, and it's been a terrible decker every time, but they're fun to play, I make sure they can at least stay with the group, and they have a skill set that allows them to do their hackification while staying right up with everybody else. So if something does go wrong, and let's face it, it's fun when it goes wrong, then they're not separated from everybody else, and they're just going to get smacked by the hand of God. So... Bamps. Yes. Without a net, had a we had a paraplegic. Yeah, I fixed her. You fixed her in the most fantastic of ways. Um, and I we a lot of people have commented that that was really interesting. It was an interesting character. Um, yeah, we miss you, Val. <laughs> do you think that it would have? Do you think it would have been detrimental if she was quadriplegic? So, Do you agree with Oz in the whole, like, this just is really not lending to, and I'm not putting words in your mouth, Oz. It's just, it doesn't lend to good narrative sense, and it, it is separating and giving them bonuses for being out of the action, and, and that's not what we want. We want people to be teams. So, Bamps, what do you what do you think? We already had this quality. I I ask you the difference in the cyberpunk world between somebody that can't move their legs to somebody that can't move their arms and legs. So, okay, so you're saying it's it's just it so was unneeded. It was 110% unnecessary. Like your your paraplegic decker, right? Mhm. He is going to be in VR because you can't move your body anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And he's not going to shoot you with a gun most times. He's going to use a drone or something. So that's exactly what a quadriplegic decker is going to do or rigger. It's it's mechanics for mechanics sake. Like uh we had this little bit of this conversation with something in no future we'll get to and something that um complete trog had in it with the human lifespan quality where something that was previously fluff or narrative for your character as to why they were a thing um 
now has mechanics associated with it that don't actually uh, improve the experience or simply don't even affect the experience. How many how many players of Shadowrun characters have have anybody in this recording or listening to this recording? I want you to, to think back. How many of them have died of old age? And I will be surprised if I could count them on one hand and not have fingers left. Age does not matter, and they added that quality. Why? Not only did they add that quality, but it's also poorly explained because it's like, if you're older than 50, and they're like, well, elves live to like hundreds of years. So let me tell you how old being 50 matters to them. But we're not trying to punch down. Right. No, no, no. All right, so um, each of you, uh, I'll ask you a final question about better than bad. And I hope you all have a great answer. Um, reading the book and talking about it uh, for the last hour that we have, um, what what missed opportunities were there? What do you what did you wish that you that they did put in that they didn't, or what did they put in that you wish they had done a little better because it was just a missed opportunity? There was there was a chance, and they just uh. They they just missed the mark. Who wants to go first? Not me. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like we've Not been steamrolling. Oh my god! I was gonna I was gonna throw Zakara under the bus, but he got got in front of me. He pushed you right out there. I know. I see that. Um, okay. So in better than bad, we had just under I want to say half of this book was devoted to the Pretoria Metroplex which it's always fun when they throw in a bunch of stuff about areas that are not Seattle because it gives people like hey here's stuff about Africa which nobody really ever goes over that's awesome you know we had some stuff on Lagos um, but this thing on Pretoria okay awesome I feel that um I think they spent too much time on the shadow talent down there and mostly because the Ruby slipper network felt like they were trying to, to shout out to somebody and I was slightly pissed. It wasn't me because it was still my name. Um, <laughs> but um, a lot of pages, a lot of, a lot of words were used to describe how badass these people were. But people who want to run in Pretoria don't give a shit about those guys. They want to know about their characters. And if you've got this notable hooding network in Pretoria, okay, great. But now it's we we do this job right or else they're going to send their, their murder beast to murder us. And I I felt like that could have been done better. I have never needed stats from somebody else for an NPC in one of my games. Stat blocks in like a monster manual or something that's slightly different, but like I have this awesome big bad evil guy. It's like okay, that's that's great. Hmm. I got my I got my own. <laughs> you stole my thing. You stole my thing. <laughs> if you don't have a thing, that's fine. Just say no, Mary Sue. I have nothing to contribute to this. I really don't. Um, I do. I do, I do. Was going to mention that they put what is it? Eight pages of NPCs that I probably didn't need full stats for. I don't know. Okay. 
So you felt that they could have taken those eight pages, condensed them down, and maybe gave us some other – what other information would you like to have seen instead of that? What what was missing? What did you want more of that was in the book that you didn't get more of? So full disclosure here. I, I haven't read the book. I haven't read the book in its entirety. <laughs> <laughs> However, from what I gather, there's not a lot about current events going on in the sixth world which I kind of am always kind of looking for, and we seem to have to squeeze a lot of that out from dribs and drabs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, I wonder if the future had anything to do with that. I know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, yeah. We're So if anybody has any other final thoughts, I'm going to move on to no future. Um. So – I got some things. I would, I would have liked to have seen uh, more stuff. Like um, I like to point at hard targets. Uh, there's a, a lot of things in hard targets that I like. The only thing I don't like in hard targets is the um, is the stupid spell blades because they're dumb. I don't need Jedi lightsabers, but a lot of the other equipment and stuff in there is awesome. But I'm a I'm a crunchy guy. So I will never say no to more well thought out and uh executed crunch. Um the one thing I would have really liked to have seen was team character sheets. Team character sheets? How does how does this work? Why have you ever heard of a little game called Blades oh my in the gosh, Dark? Please. Oh my Do you God. get a nickel every time you say it? No, but Mr. John Harper, <laughs> if you want, I would be happy to accept your nickels. All right, so what what would the benefit of team character sheets? How would that benefit? How would that that that's a completely new mechanic. That's not even in the discussion of either of these books, but So in it, in thirty seconds no, or less, how no, is this going to benefit the game? It totally is in, at the very least, something that's easily adaptable to no future, and we'll talk about that when we get to it. And I'll get my second nickel. Um, but here, this is about hooding, right? This is about your neighborhood, your your area that you're taking care of. So that hood could have a sheet. It could have important people in it. It could have facilities like maybe one thing people always like to do is like, oh, I'm going to get a ground vehicle shop and a special work area on my lifestyle, and I'm going to build my own drones. Well, the Blades in the Dark crew sheets has a box that has little boxes inside of it for what they call turf, which are different things that you um, that dependent upon the type of crew you have helps you in different ways. Like the, the assassins crew, for example, has a hagfish farm that helps you with body disposal. It's a useful thing for assassins to have, right? So you could have part of your, uh, your group of players identity could be their, their gang, for example. And they could spend some time populating it with the GM and being like, who are other people that are in the area that aren't friends with you that you could, make into contacts later on or that you could use some of the new street cred rules to, to buy and stuff like that. 
and this could also be a way to get certain things like there's uh the home ground quality that almost nobody ever takes because it's like 10 fucking karma and like very very limited but you could be like unlock this special ability on your crew sheet and ta-da you guys are treated as having the home ground quality while you're within your turf runner teams have been building uh runner bases in places for as long as there have been shadow runners that decided to work together yeah the first question that inevitably comes up when somebody starts a living community because it we were the first we know this can we have a shared lifestyle it's definitely one of them right um i could see wanting to have some kind of tracking for that maybe even some benefit to having something like that i i could go along with that that's something ever- that's that's something you see like I would imagine I've done with with groups, not necessarily Shadowrun, but just like D&D groups where eventually they're powerful enough to have a stronghold and then you populate that stronghold and all that stuff. Speaking of which, there is actually a stronghold and followers book that Matt Coville put out and is pretty awesome. <laughs> all right. Your 15 cents is in the mail. I was going to say, I've got a nickel around <laughs> somewhere that I can put into let's, a chip jar. I got a dollar on. coin. I'll give it to him. Um, nice. Do you guys need a break before we move on to the next one? Uh, you know what? I have a wireless headset, so I can mute it real quick and go get myself a drink while you right. introduce no future. Okay. <laughs> do you guys do any – does anybody else need a, a five-minute? You know, if we take a full five-minute break, we're going to have to split this into two releases, right? Okay, that's fine. So we'll just carry on. Here we go. Uh, so, No Future, the highly anticipated book of culture for Shadowrun, how the uh, sixth world has progressed. Um, oh, Oz is not here to talk. So, Bamps, tell me, when was the last culture book out? That was Attitude in fourth edition? No, that would be <laughs> Attitude.0, which you can find on Reddit. No, 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 no. No, an actual book. What was the last cultural so book? It, I think it's going to depend upon how you want to define that because there were some books like uh, Market Panic had a lot to do with what the Megacorps were up to. Okay. There was the Complete Trog, which had um, a bunch of stuff about the Orc Underground and stuff. But those were very specialized as opposed to this, which is supposed to be more um, just... When was Sixth the last world. book totally devoted to Sixth World life and living? Uh, attitude from previous edition? I don't actually know. I'm a terrible person okay. for this question. You are a terrible person for this question. Oz, have, are you back yet, please? I am back. So the <laughs> the top three culture books that I would say that are most recent would be Attitude, which has already been said, um, Seattle 2072, and um, the Sixth World Sixth World Almanac. Those three would would form probably the most basis for quote unquote culture in the sixth world. Okay, so none of them are currently fifth edition books. So that this is, is the correct. first one in fifth edition that has come out to speak to the culture of the world in twenty eighty. Is that where we're at? Yep. Okay. So 
Um, Oz, again, you did another Reddit review of this where you you speak very candidly and um, you give fair uh, you give a fair review. I will I will say that. You might be the only one who does. <laughs> the, the link shows Snickerdoodles, which makes him happy. So. <laughs> I'm sure there's going to be a conversation about Snickerdoodles in just a moment. We will save that for the very end. Snickerdoodles will be our finale, everyone. That's, that's right. If that's not a tease. Stay tuned. <laughs> Snickerdoodles up next. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So no future, highly anticipated cultural book this is great i think the number one thing that is listed on oz's review i think it's the number one thing everybody is super excited about i know from personal experience i have players that are super excited about it band and performance rules finally so remember how i said team character sheets right yes yeah who can forget so in Blades of the Dark, one of the crews oh, is oh, hold on, hawkers. hold on. Let me find my nickel. Right, come on, find your nickel. I'm going to send you a nickel when we get to Gen Con. I'll, I'll just pay you then. Yeah, we're we're going to hit we're going to hit him with a sock full we're of nickels just, when we see him at Gen Con. We're just going to make it rain nickels upon him. Everybody, right. if you're at Gen Con and you see Babs, bring a roll of nickels so you can throw them at him individually. Please, <laughs> or just, everyone, or just stuff overall because that might hurt. If you, know, you want, pro- not the whole roll at once, just individually so it lasts longer, it's more fun, and he can, can get his nickels. We could pitch that to Hardy. <laughs> uh, on the subject of nickels, before I go back to talking about Blades in the Dark, um, Jink. instead of hurling them at me, although I will accept them being hurled at me, they do a thing, at least they did when I was there, called Card Hala, which they spend all weekend building giant card mm-hmm. houses and things they still and then, do and then on the last day they have people hurl change at the buildings in order to destroy them that money then gets collected and donated to charity mm-hmm. so instead of hurling nickels at me hurl nickels at card holla stuff and right. go to a better well what I would expect is once those people hurled nickels at you and you pick them up off the ground, you would then take that and then do that yourself. Don't you know I that up. I am a mighty podcaster and thus <laughs> to pick up things? Surely you can just delegate it to one of your, your players. Uh, your idea, you're doing it. <laughs> there you, you go. I feel like you're tagged it. <laughs> you will follow me around. Know how it works. Yes. Pick up As all of these nickels. Is entirely what I should do. Anyway, band performance rules. This is wonderful. This is great. I don't want to hear about team character sheets now. Go. Easily the best part of the book. Easily, Easily the best part of the book. People Absolutely. love this. How many people were forming bands right after this book came out? How many people were forming bands before this before book came this out? Before this book came I out. I can think of two. Damn, <laughs> we were in one of them. I do I do have to point out there's one thing that's not on your good list. What's that? They weaponize yo-yos. You know... You just jumped the gun on me. <laughs> Why are you now stepping on my toes? We right, are talking about bands and performance rules. Go! Don't make me get angry. No, we don't want to be angry. <laughs> no, we don't want angry Mary Sue. It's fine. We don't want an angry Mary Sue. Yeah, she might shoot you. <gasps> she might shoot you with jello oh. back of the head. 
No, I was thinking of the no, other one. No, no, shh. Go on. What? That's like five or ten episodes ago. That's forever ago. Well, apparently I found out that the rest of the cast didn't freaking know about exactly. it. Exactly. So. so fix it and right. post this entire conversation. Let's no. get back to band and performance rules. Band and performance rules. Okay. So Are they good rules? I will say that there are some parts where it's slightly hard to understand, but for the most part, they set a framework to where if somebody wants to be a bunch of hard rocking people, they can do that and not worry about shadow running. Now, most of them suck, which means that they'll have to shadow run in order to supplant their performance habit. This is also good. Yeah, it means they can break into record companies and sneak their uh, their demo tape into the production line. There was no yeah. sneaking. There was not a piece of sneaking in that entire job. Um, anybody else have anything to comment about it before we we move on? I, I think it's all been said. It's all been said. Absolutely. Um, again, we have bookmarked table of contents. This is wonderful. Thank you, CGL, for doing this. This is lovely. Yes. Um, so we have uh, a lot of this book. So much of this book was devoted to news feeds, TV shows. Like, what's what's going on? So I know I personally saw a lot of stuff that just reminded me of other shows that I actually saw in my lifetime, which is a long time. Excuse me, I need, a, I need a wedge of lime to go with the salt I'm about to spew here. <laughs> um, so, like, uh, so yeah, the TV and the news feeds, the TV shows, the entertainment that the people are seeing seemed, and I will use Oz's word, derivative. And it's, it's a fair assessment. Uh, Bamps, what did you think about the TV shows and news feeds that they presented in No Future? Yes, what uh, did you think of the Flump Crunchmeister? I I didn't read it. There it is. Wow. I'm going to take all your nickels back. <laughs> That's fine. Um I I read Oz's review. I skimmed through some of the stuff at the end of it cuz we'll we'll talk about whatever his face is. No, we're not going to talk about that. We're talking what? about TV shows, news feeds, pirate um, news, corporate what? news. We have a uh, we have rules are like we have how corporate spin is done, TV shows. We have a Simpsons reference. <sighs> Simpsons so to, did it <laughs> to to play devil's advocate a little. Oh, I love a good devil's advocate. So I don't, TV you're off shows. The show. So a lot of TV shows now are derivative of TV shows that were. Give me an example. Oh. Now you've done it. <laughs> yep. If you're going to tell me a lot of shows now are derivative of past shows, give me one example. Because I can give you an example in no future. Orc and Mindy. Very <laughs> similar to the 70s sitcom Mork and Mindy with Robin Williams. Why are we pulling that out of the past and putting so, it in the sixth world? So Mork and Mindy is a fish out of water show, right? Yeah. And there are a lot of fish out of water shows. There are a lot of Well, get... tropes aren't the same as being derivative. No, but They literally you... just removed an M. They did. <laughs> I, I would give you that. That was that's pretty I uh I took those nickels I got and I bought some rope if you want it. 
I, <laughs> can I keep, you know, giving more? No, no. Let's let's see what you have to say. Now I'm trying to think of a, a current modern example. Uh, let me let me throw it well, out there. Well, right, like they do. My, let's let's do Miami Vice. All right. It okay. is it is a jewel of the 1980s. Don Johnson, mm-hmm. amazing music, white pastels. suit, yes. pastels, Mac tens. Okay. Mm-hmm. What came out not like three years ago? Miami Vice. Yep. Hawaii Five-0. Everything old is new again. Okay. Chips. Chips. Mm-hmm. So Hawaii Five O. Yes, you're absolutely right. Okay. Um, yes. And and I mean and and the further Zakaris point. Dwayne Johnson makes a movie, Rampage. What yes. is Rampage? It is probably one of the most amazing 8-bit games you'll ever play, yes, but it is a <laughs> movie that is derived from a video game. Mm-hmm. To a debatable. video game without any real plot. I yeah. know. That was what made it so amazing. It's like, oh my mm-hmm. god, this is decent. How did this and, happen? And the remake stuff, like you got Star Trek rebooted and stuff Mm -hmm. like star trek being rebooted was a big deal now and so you're like in the future that stuff's gonna go around again you get a new it is in the future except this future no future is presenting is the sixth world post two crashes yeah why is this information in this book Who's out there archiving The Simpsons for a hundred years later? I mean, I I would not <laughs> put it past anybody. So there's somebody out there archiving Simpsons now on like two and a half inch floppies. Well, sure. I mean, pretty much any show is being archived, if not by somebody like you or I, by the people who are producing it. Um, yeah. I think the the issue that I have with this with this book, and this is not a culture book. This is an entertainment book. It is. Yes, the, it is. But it was the highly anticipated culture book, and that's what right. we're going to stick to. Go. Okay. <laughs> so these shows um, are from a timeline that is separate from Shadowruns, specifically because the um, the timeline officially diverged prior to 1999 and i believe it was 1996 is when it started diverging which means that simpsons was on the air for approximately seven years because it it, simpsons first aired in 1989 the same year Shadowrun premiered that makes it very easy to figure out where, where things went but we had not one but two infoocalypses so the internet is dead and everything on it is gone. One thing that I would have liked to see in no future is, you know, how does, how does the world pick up after essentially all of their, their digitized history is wiped clean. But we went through two of those and this is the first book that remarks on specifically the Simpsons. It calls it out by name. Why didn't we see that at all in the previous 30 years? I posit to you it's because it didn't exist. It went away with the first crash. And that's my problem with it. I feel like my, I feel like I would be happy if the Simpsons went away now. 
<laughs> well, yeah, it's been 30 freaking years. Like this show's still on, really? Yeah. 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 Oh so, my goodness. I'm always so, surprised when I hear that that show's still on. <laughs> Take so, it out behind the shed and put it down. <laughs> no kidding. So Oz brings up the fact that the show premiered the same time as the game did. So is it just a homage then? So The Simpsons, you've the the timeline splits at nineteen ninety six, ninety five, right? Mm-hmm. So The Simpsons has already been on the air, so I don't The Simpsons being in the universe is not entirely entirely unbelievable. Is it However, with two info Infopocalypses. Infopocalypses. Thank you, sir. But but you still have people who remember those things, correct? I mean Do we? This is a hundred years after it. This is years. Yeah. Ninety-one years after it first airs, it's still on. Do we have people alive that can remember it? You know what Maybe. I would ask? Hmm. How many nickels did they get for The Simpsons? Uh, <laughs> a lot. A lot. All of right. Nickels. So, and and I know in the uh, no future uh, on the Reddit again, which is unfortunately our main source of information. Everything Shadowrun. Um, it was posted, uh, that it was being released, that it's out now and it's great. And the freelancer, um, remind me of the name. Wakashani. 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 Um, he actually had said that it was, it was about, he referred to it as zombie, the, the shows that never die, the, the zombie TV shows. And, and, and he said it was kind of a, a tongue in cheek thing. And it it must have the joke missed the mark apparently, and and he admitted that, or he had basically just said that it it missed the mark, and he would try to do better, or you know, he keep it in mind. And it's nothing against him, and it's great. Uh, the freelancers all work very hard on these books. It must be very hard to constantly come up with new information and and never never satisfy the fans enough obviously since we've just spent an hour and a half bitching how we're not happy so i i I get it and i and it's great that he actually said hey it missed the mark and we're like all right cool it missed the mark great wonderful sure um but why i mean what is it is it the is it because we have such a small amount of freelancers that makes it it, it's too much onus on them to come up with so much stuff that they have to now be derivative. Maybe uh, just maybe the problem is they were too specific. Like you could have referenced the Simpsons without actually mentioning the Simpsons and people might've got the reference mm-hmm. and you could have made it vague and different enough that, Hey, this could actually be a thing. Maybe you know, somebody came across the old movie reel of The Simpsons. I mean, that stuff was mm-hmm. on physical media at some point. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, The Simpsons specifically, you could have, instead of specifically calling out The Simpsons, done something a bit more vague, a little less on the nose, I guess. Would have probably I, gone over better. I got the answer to this. Ready? Yeah. Go. What show is Carl Combat Mage aping? I don't know. Now I have to look that up. I mean, that's just the thing. Carl Combat Mage is a classic thing in Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It has been around forever. And it is, he is Carl. He is a combat mage, as we know. And he does, like, I always imagine that show is basically your your 80s uh, serial TV show that you're going to get up and watch every Saturday morning as a child. Yeah. You know, and your they, monster they, of the week. And it, it, that was also in this book. They rebooted the show. So I think that's that's why I don't like The Simpsons in this book. I mean, I kind of don't like it in general, but whatever, I'm a grog nerd. <laughs> because it's in this book, we already have items that are zombie shows that never die because they make the corpse money. We have Neil the Orc Barbarian. We have mm-hmm. Desert Wars. We have Carl Combat Mage. Mm-hmm. We have these things already. And I feel like they kind of blew their wad on on redescribing those and 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 talking about the remakes and how they're they're bringing them back. And then they forgot, oh, we we need to make this this joke. But and it was it was harsh certainly, but I did say, you know, mm-hmm. is is it a is it a joke if it's not funny? Mhm. No. And again, again, I'm not trying to, to sure. bash a freelancer. They work very hard. I I couldn't imagine having to do the job myself. Thank God I don't have to. Um but let's move on from TV and get to news. I I personally love the section where it talked about how to create spin. Uh, that is PR is near and dear marketing, near and dear to my heart. Merch. Um, merch. Um, so I I did like the news feeds and I did like the the pirate news and and creating spin. I thought that was good. I thought that was that was a good section. Apparently, I'm alone in that thinking. No. no okay. No. <laughs> I had to. I had to bring my uh, my copy back up so I could actually. <sighs> Am I the only one that prepped while having a meeting in a bar? Thanks. No, not at all. <laughs> I had to get to the right part so, in order to be able to respond to you properly. I'm gonna ask if you thought that I prep anything. <gasps> I know you're the laziest GM ever. Yeah. You're my favorite GM, though. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally <laughs> not playing Slay the Spire while we're doing this. I don't know what you're talking oh about. Oh, my God. My favorite part is when you so when much. you ask him questions, you know he's not prepared to answer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I love asking the questions. So, Oz, have you found the spot yet? Out. Yes, I have found okay. the spot. I, I agree <laughs> well. with you about the spin. Like, when I read this section, I felt myself get unnaturally angry because I was just like, oh, this is fucking Fox News. I hate Fox News. <laughs> but that's how effective that this is. That's how it is. That it works. Yeah, it's good. It's exactly how we how news and we see it today, how news gets manipulated. And if with with deregulations and corpse running a lot of things, it can only get worse. And. I think that's why I loved it. It was it was very true because we see it now. We can only see it get worse in the future. Yes, and that is that is good, and and that is bad. Um, <laughs> it, like I said, it's it's good because it's you can see it's effective. It's something that people should be thinking about as characters. You should be thinking about this because you can use that to your advantage when you're on a run. Like if you need to smear somebody, there is a handbook and no future for you to do it. That's mm-hmm. great. Yes. 
but it's so Your extant. face, you should know this. It's wonderful. Yeah. It's it's so extant. This is this is us right now, and you look at it, and you're just like, I I don't want to be reminded that I'm slouching towards a boring dystopia. I already know that. I I I don't I don't want uh, current events in my distant space future, please. <laughs> that was I don't we were want t- real world in my RPG thing. Yeah, when we were talking <laughs> about uh, what to do with the Jack Pointers the idea crossed my mind that maybe we need to jump like 50 more years in the future. Well, if we do that, we end up with eclipse phase. Well, I for one don't see the problem with that, but for two, um, we are in such a situation right now where our real life technology is in a lot of ways, surpassing different aspects of Shadowrun's technology. And a lot of things that people constantly ask for, like, uh, exosuits and that kind of thing just aren't around. Mm-hmm. But they're like, oh, this would be really cool. And it's like, ah, it doesn't like super fit the the setting that they have laid out for us. It's like, yeah, but like, look, people are working on it now. It's like the divergent timelines and stuff. Um, right. Well, it's the same thing with the wireless matrix. Yeah. You know, if you just if we just shove the timeline ahead, mm-hmm. the the cuteness of it being only 60 years ahead of where we are today, I think has kind of worn off, but that might just be mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Could be. Because in some places we've outpaced Shadowrun. Is that what you're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's one part of it. Um, hmm. But it could just do for, you know, a little bit of a fresh coat of stuff. Chrome. Yeah, fresh coat of chrome. <laughs> so, um, so sports. It also had sports stuff. Uh, specifically, finally, urban brawl. Something else that you could have a character sheet for. Uh. <laughs> you, you did this to me. I am going to bring so many rolls of nickels. When you see a crazy woman just throwing nickels at a man, it's Mary Sue throwing nickels at Bamps. So, <laughs> at Jenka. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. Just Even just in the city of Indy, as I we're walking the streets to go to dinner, if a woman is pelting a man with nickels, it is me pelting nickels at Bamps. Um, sports, urban brawl. We have other sports as well, baseball and and um, hockey. I think was in it. Was soccer um, in it? Football. Yes, football, soccer. Um, they had some dueling and underground fighting leagues. They had mm-hmm. handball. Um, mm-hmm. They had this this weird ass little three on three player uh, stone court handball game where the losers get sacrificed. Didn't they also have combat badminton? Uh, Curling. Yes. Wasn't there badminton? There was badminton. I I remember badminton. There was there was an ad for combat badminton in it, yes. and I remember just being irrationally <laughs> angry at that. You were. <laughs> no, anger is pretty rational. <laughs> so the sports that was great. Um, Urban brawl. Finally, more details. I I know personally. I heard from a lot of my my players on a on a specific server commenting that they didn't realize Urban Brawl was actually played in neighborhoods. They thought it was in a stadium. 
Yes. Why is it just now that this is coming out? Because they never Googled how to play Urban Brawl? <laughs> right. I, Urban Brawl was... Okay. Sorry, no. Sir Carter, go ahead. I, I yeah. didn't think that. I thought Urban Brawl was kind of... That's kind of the point. It was played in the middle of somewhere. Right. Like, so if I Google Shadowrun Urban Brawl rules, right? It was pretty pretty normal thing to Google on how you want to... Uh, mm-hmm. to play the 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 game with the rules thing, it it brings me to this Wikia page here that's got details like history, international right. urban sports. Number one, it's a wiki. That. Yeah, wiki is not source material. I, how do I know that that's actually what it's supposed to be? It's a wiki. Is anybody can change that? I'm gonna change you. <laughs> okay so um they didn't know about this because the last time that urban brawl was brought up in any capacity was third edition and um, what year what year was third edition what were the years for third edition how long ago was third edition the halcyon days of the late 1990s so that means these People specifically that didn't know about Urban Brawl probably weren't even born yet. Get uh, off yeah. my fucking lawn. <laughs> okay. So again, why do I have to wait till no future comes out before I know about Urban Brawl? And don't tell me Google it and look at a wiki. Why hasn't CGL been constantly hammering some facet of Urban Brawl? Why we're the ones that aren't supposed to be negative here. I'm not being negative. I'm asking you why why if why not? I think in some form or fashion, not even in books, just in some form or fashion. Why aren't we getting these cultural things all the time? That would be a question to ask CGL. Uh-huh. And if I was to respond on their behalf, I would say because they don't have they don't have the staff to think all mm-hmm. of this up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um I mean now apparently Attitude had a little bit of stuff about Urban Brawl in it. Um I'm looking at a different wiki that actually cites its sources. So <laughs> um but it was first covered in Shadowbeat, which was I believe first or second edition. Um it was covered in Runner's Companion, Sprawl Survival Guide, State of the Art 2064, System Failure. That's all third edition. Mm-hmm. And then there's some stuff in Attitude. So um, from what I remember, um, and this is a little bit of hearsay, a little bit of distant memory, but um, Hardy has said in the past, I believe, that um, books like this don't sell well. It's the same thing with like mm-hmm. adventure books. It's the same thing. A lot of adventure books don't sell well. People want more rules. And so they tend to I guess I'm surprised that they greenlit this book and they greenlit Better Than Bad and a couple of the other fluffier um Shadows and Focus books. Unless he's just trying to get a consistent stream of content out. Mm-hmm. Um which is a good thing in and of itself because it's more releases. It it lets us know they're still working on the property, but Mm -hmm. to have something like this, um, 
they've got to have a buffet of shallow uh, info dumps, I guess. And it's not 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 in a bad way. Um, mm-hmm. They no. can't go deep into this stuff because, I mean, look at I I sit there and I drop twenty twenty five pages on what you do when you have a, a low lifestyle. Mm-hmm. They they can't go into that kind of detail. And that's what people want is that kind of detail. But who's going to sit there and pay $25 to read about what you want in a luxury lifestyle, how to play urban brawl? I mean, it's such a a specialized niche portion that they can't do that kind of focus on it. It Honestly, it falls to us as GMs and players and hangers on and interested observers to do that. And it kind of sucks because we'll never get paid for it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, just like the freelancers, we do it because we love it. We love mm-hmm. the system. We love the setting. I especially love the setting. That's why I keep writing about it. So I can take no future and say, okay, there's a lot of shallow stuff there. Here's an interesting gem. I'm going to extract that gem. I'm going to put it on my table, and I'm going to craft it into something wonderful. And I am going to present it on reddit because i know you guys hate it but fuck it that's that's where i live and i'll i'll i'll, I'll show it to reddit it'll get forwarded to all the other shadowrun based fandoms communications whatever and that gem is now a, a gorgeous jewel that people can discuss you know i've got a low lifestyle okay well you're probably in a studio apartment your water is rationed. You get three Nutrisoy bars a day and heaven help you if the extruder is broken. And you see what it is to be that way. And then you have to ask yourself, why the fuck would I want to live like that? And mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the point is to try and get people to think more about their characters. Like we have all this cool stuff on Combat Biker and on Urban Brawl. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Fucking great. What does that mean for a character? So you you bring up what is it like to live in the sixth world, and you even said earlier uh, when we started talking about no f- future that this is an entertainment book. Mm-hmm. It's not a culture book. Um, do right. you wish you had more about what life is like? What is living in this world like as opposed to how I entertain myself? Do you think a lot of people expected that or do you think it's just a, a small niche of us that were like, no, we want to know what life is like? So um, I'm going off of my my review and the comments on it on Reddit. Um, yeah, that's exactly what people wanted to see. They wanted to see how people live in 2080. Um, the I think the issue I had with this book, well, one of several issues, mind you, um, this is, like I said, it's an entertainment book. And then reading between the lines, reading the Jack Pointer commentary, which is just as canon as the rest of the fluff, we have all this entertainment, and anybody with a sin doesn't have the time or energy to absorb it. When somebody is is sitting 16 to 18 hours a day in front of a terminal at work, they don't have time to sit and look at their Tridio set. They can get stuff beamed to their AR feed, sure. I mean, that would have been an amazing fucking book, is how corporate drones 
stick it to the man by getting their entertainment and lazing around at work, which all of us do if we're working for a corporation. My God, why can't we have a book on that? Vamps, the car, what do you guys think about that? <laughs> definitely. I, I agree with Oz on several points. Um, so this is definitely a book about entertainment, but not really a book about how people consume that entertainment. Personally, I would like to to know more about how mundanes live, like your civilians, not necessarily Shadowrunners. We kind of have an idea how Shadowrunners live. But like the rest of the world, how do they live? How do they consume all this entertainment that they are providing? What is what is that life like? Okay, Bamps? Kind of, kind of what I was looking for out of people mm-hmm. like this. A lot. I think a lot of us were fans. <laughs> um, there's some things that I would have liked to have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Such as? This would have been a a good place to compile the entirety of the life modules, I feel like. That is an interesting idea. How do you see that? If If they did that, how would that look? It'd be a giant thing at the back of the book. Uh, It'd just be like, that's what? I'm not you sure what pitch you the mean. idea. Do you want Oz to explain it to me? <laughs> uh, there's nothing to explain. It's it's literally what it says on the tin. So like, all right, so you just want them to copy paste life modules from other books at the back of this book and call it a day? Or did you want them to expand on those life modules? Well, what clearly, are you trying to say? Clearly they're going to add new ones. Like what? So why do I have to pull teeth? I'm not a dentist. Oh, you stole that from me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one of the biggest problems I have with life modules is they are all over the place. There's, you know, five in this book here. There's seven or eight in this book here. They're, it makes them really hard to sit down and go, Oh, let's use life modules for character creation. If we compiled them all into a single book, that has to do with culture and entertainment and how people get around in the sixth world. Like it, I feel like it fits in the context of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it also gives the life module system a better like leg up on, Hey, check this stuff out. Cause I, I bet a lot of people out there are like me that are just like, I ain't got time to flip through seven books to find out like five or six different steps as to what I want to do because that's a a lot of effort for not a lot of work or a lot of effort for not a lot of benefit. It's the Shadowrun anarchy of character creation. Um, I mean, there's a couple pages in the back of this book that could have swapped them out for that. Okay, uh, let's skip that comment uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on um, I do like the idea of having all the life modules in one location I do understand why that didn't happen I, I can see it from a marketing standpoint why I wanted to put that in many books uh, <laughs> but you've already put it in many books now it would just be yes. compiling them and then I would get in trouble because I just copy-pasted info from other books. I didn't give you any new content, so then you're going to get mad at me for doing that. So there's a, that's a no-win situation. 
I but I say... do like the idea of life modules being in one place, especially in a book like No Future. Yes, I think I yeah. think that was a good fit. I would like it. I'd be super happy if they just compiled a single PDF that they had up on their website that mm. you could go through and check because it doesn't give you enough to actually play the game. There are too many other rules going on. But oh, Shadow have... had Shadow had an SRD. I'd be so happy. I mean, uh, I think they'd be great to compile that information, put it in a PDF, and charge you nine ninety nine because that's what I would sell it for. Right. I w- <laughs> See, there's your problem: is there's not enough goodwill between the community and the publishers or the developers or wherever you want to put it mm-hmm. to charge for something like that. Mm. Because Again, I can go, I can I go download, I can go download. <laughs> you don't because you take you take one intern. You say, okay, I'm not going to drink coffee this hour. So instead, you go through all of these books and copy and paste these things. Uh, all right. So we'll agree to disagree because I'm a marketer and I'm corp all the way. Um, so let's move on to um, <laughs> what? But this, well, you you asked stuff that I would like to have seen in the I book. I thought you were you, done. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, go he on. He has a list. He's getting started. Oh, my god. He's checking it twice. Look at me. I have the power now. Um, it's so much fun to communicate in emojis. The, oh, that should be in the book, too. Emojis? Yeah. Well, emojis? Spelled that way? Yeah. yeah. Communicating <laughs> emojis. It's it's 2080. That's just I how mean, the language has evolved. Kids these days communicate in emojis as is, so. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I would have liked to have seen the lifestyle advanced rules tweaked, modified, expanded upon and um because this is like your entertainment and culture book right supposedly being able to point to some of those rules that already exist and then point to some other stuff that fits in alongside them or so that it's like oh i took special work area or i took this uh Trying to remember the name. The only one I can remember off the top of my head is like the Bat Cave one, where you have like a a Bat Cave in your basement, um, where you can have some of that stuff which has mechanical things that you can then outline more. Like maybe you throw up a uh, like a sample. They put all these sample character sheets in for these NPCs in places, right? Or the uh, character sheets for pre-generated characters. Well throw up a pre-generated lifestyle there and give me some information on it and how it fits into the world and the culture and the pretend to me you are that AI program in RoboCop trying to sell me a house. No, all good ideas. All of my ideas are good ideas. How do you not all know All of this your yet? ideas are, I do know this. I am your number one disciple and acolyte. You know this. And why do you always sound so surprised? Because <laughs> you continually <laughs> surprise me. You're so wonderful. It's true. See? Uh, you guys need a moment? <laughs> no. <laughs> so, You're just uh, basking in truth for the first time, Zakar. <laughs> uh, here we go. Fix it and post. Um, this is how the sausage is made. <laughs> so let's go on. Again, Oz, I really feel you're just... Uh, I'm going to have to come at you for this. Uh-huh. Yes, we do like to see information about other parts of the world. But, I mean, do we really have to care that much about St. Louis? Um, being 
currently living in St. Louis. Not only yes, <laughs> hell yes. Um, <laughs> this is the uh, flat Kansas-like plane I will die on. <laughs> I only I only bring up St. Louis because at the lore panel at Gen Con uh, 2018, in mm-hmm. which Opti said, and if he if he tries to deny it, I will look at him sternly. There will, be, there will be stuff on St. Louis in these books. And he he specifically listed out the next three that were coming. There's going to be St. Louis stuff in, in at least one of them. There wasn't in Kill Code. There's barely anything in Better Than Bad. This was the book. This was the book. Okay. This was the book. And, well, it was an extension of movie stuff. And I feel like... And I think it's also because for some weird ass reason, Neonet is near and dear to my heart because in my own head canon, my, my face has taken over Neonet Seattle because he's <laughs> just a slimy drag head that manages to fail upwards. But beside I the fe- point, <laughs> beside the point, um, narratively, CGL has done its best to shit on everything that the CEO has done since he first came on the scene back in first edition. Like mm-hmm. in, in the first three editions, he was, he was written all right. Like you could, you could tell that he was a corporate raider and he was good at what he did. And then he got flanderized and forth. Somebody had a grudge against him and it's just been one setback after another. So having all of a sudden Omega's moving to St. Louis, I'm like, all right, now I'm interested I'm I'm local. I'm engaged. What's going on? And then it's just there's nothing and nothing and nothing. Hey, there's a giant book on Chicago. Well, that's great. Chicago's five hours north of here, mm-hmm. and nothing and nothing and nothing. Chicago also had the entirety of the season seven, season eight missions, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like Chicago's already gotten plenty of stuff. So what in uh, what what did you want to see Chicago. in St. Louis? Yeah, people like the bug stuff and all the crap that happened in Chicago. Sure. Well, I mean, Bug City was one of the seminal moments of Shadowrun history. I mean, it's it's as famous as the Great Ghost Dance, um, right? Or, or the Treaty of Denver. Like it, it is big stuff. They wrote novels on it. Um, as for stuff that I would have liked to see on St. Louis, to be perfectly honest, do a Shadows in Focus. For St. Louis, you've you've done it for Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, Where? Yeah, Cheyenne, Wyoming, Sioux Territory. So they've they've done a they've done a book on that. They've done books on other areas. Do the same for St. Louis because there's clearly mega corporate stuff going on there. They've got it's now Novatech again. So Novatech is based there. They've got other people moving in. Aries is apparently making big, big inroads there. There's clearly something going on. So pay, pay some attention to it. Do you want me to do it? Okay. I can, but I expect to be paid for my work. But the exposure, you know, nobody gets fed on exposure. Nobody can live on it, but plenty of people die from it. (laughs) Well put. So, um, what about uh, Zakara and uh, Bamps? Do you guys have any thoughts? Uh, were there 
was St. Louis, did it not have enough information? Do you wish they had other locations in here as the culture book? Should they have had some other locations in here? I'm always game for location stuff. I don't know if it's great to dive deep in books like this. I feel like stuff like that should have maybe their own mini-releases. Like, this is a book about St. Louis. Like, I said, you know, sell that for 10 bucks or whatever. And this is a book about Miami. I don't know. Well, sure. Just do different areas and have small books about them that are specifically about those areas and things that are going on there. Those, I don't know if it – I think in a book like this, though – the information here, if you start dive deeping, deep diving into that, then this book becomes about St. Louis, and then it's not about the other stuff that the book. Does that makes right. sense. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's it's the opposite of what happened in Better Than Bad. Better Than Bad, almost half of the book was about the Pretoria Metroplex, and this one, there there was really nothing about locales. They just happened to say, okay, well. This whole Mason-Dixon line divide between the UCAS and CAS is creating a bunch of propaganda films in St. Louis, to which I'm like, yeah, oh, okay. What about all the smugglers? Let's do let's do the Dukes of Hazard rerun because there's plenty of other reruns on the TV and no future. But no. So, um, any more final thoughts? I'm going to move on. I am not going to delve into all the bad and the ugly that you have. Because part of it makes me sad, and part of it makes me feel old, especially the Henry Rollins bit. Yeah. So we're just going to move past that. Just skipping all by me. To be completely fair, that guy does look like Henry Rollins. Shh. shh. But we're not going to talk about it. Um, So I think we know where the missed opportunities are. Mm -hmm. They they really missed the culture of, of, of the sixth world. So let's talk about... What's your favorite, like the shining moment, your favorite bit of the book? Something that we haven't discussed already that you were like, hey, that was really good. Kudos to them. I have been going first most of the evening. (laughs) Because you're No, that's our ending. Quit stepping on my toes, sir. I mean it. Um... I don't think I have anything off the top of my head. Look, I didn't read the fluff. It's a fluff book. Leave me alone. <laughs> you knew I wasn't going to read the fluff. All right. So give me give me a, a rule set that you like that we haven't talked about that you that's in the book. I think they had some fun with the the rules. Like obviously they have rollerblades and yo-yos. Yes. And I think that stuff is fun and it's cute. And I think it's a decent addition, even if it's super specific and weird. And not everybody's going to use it, but I think it's, hey, this is kind of fun kind of thing. No, I, uh, in flipping through the game information section, they gave us stats for Molotov cocktails. Finally. Finally. Like, that's, there you go. There's my redeeming factor. Good job. You. There's new cars. Where? What is, what is news fans. News fans and news helicopters. Okay, so a. Uh, They've got press a GMC Bulldog and uh, an Ares Dragon. Okay, gun. Done. 
Yes, um, I, I did see a lot of people were really happy about the press pass, but as right. Bamps and I have already discussed. I'm going to shit all over that right now. Ready? Okay, yes. <laughs> Fake license. Done. Move along. But some people didn't think you could do that with the license. They thought it was driving or weapons or gear. They didn't think it was for things like that. So CGL now told them it is by saying you can get a press pass. And you can get a press pass at a steep discount to a fake license. Only because the person who wrote the press passes as 50 bucks didn't have the idea of, oh, I could use a license for this. And if he didn't, how can many players? They increased the cyberized rating. They Who cares? Um, <laughs> visual enhancement and hearing enhancement ratings as well. Even more perception dice. Just what I needed. Even more. So I will say uh, one thing I did enjoy mm-hmm. was if we go back to the whole um, news portion. Mm-hmm. Not so much the um, not so much the spin. Because the spin was good, but we already talked about that. Mm-hmm. But specifically organizations that GMs can use for people who want to not quite hood, but do their their Mulder and Scully and go find the truth. Like, um, it, it kind of harkens back to the original Universal Brotherhood runs back in first edition, um, just before Bug City started, where... People were investigating disappearances. Journalists are like, hey, something's kind of hinky here, and I need I need some some muscle to kind of back me up in case something goes wrong. And they go in, and it's like, oh shit, there's bug spirits in here. What now? And then Chicago exploded. Having not even a rule set, but a set of resources that GMs can draw on saying, okay, here's a set of runs where you're not making lives better. You're not working for the man. You are promoting the truth, which is another neo-anarchist slash cyberpunk thing to do. Okay. I've always toyed an idea of running games set early in Shadowrun's history and kind of messing around with that. Uh, actually, I think um, Opti and a couple of others are currently running a podcast, Shadowrun Origins, that... Uh, they are. Right. Yeah, it is set in 2050. Could I imagine early on when the awakening first started happening, the thing got weird. <laughs> um, so let's get to. I have a question for you, Mary yeah. Sue. You what do. did you okay. think of the new networking qualities? Garbage. Hi, is your name Mary Sue? Your your voice got deep. Deep. Wow. She, she grew a pair of balls is what happened. Hey, don't worry. <laughs> oh, I'm no. swinging pretty good. Don't you worry about me. Um. All right. So. You are the face. I am. I, so I, I play a face. I am not the face. I play a face. Um. Where's my no future book? Oh, who's not prepared to have it open? I didn't know I'd have a question. You guys oh. are the ones that, that talk. You guys are the men. I just love playing that card, by the way. It's bullshit. Why were we waiting to marry you? I used your, I used your beard joke today, Bamps. Good. It's a good joke. <laughs> it makes young kids feel terrible. Why did not have the book? So there was a one of the guys I work with 
he disappears. He goes away every couple of months because he goes to college. And then on breaks, he comes back and comes back to work. And he hadn't seen me since I had begun growing the beard. And he says to me, while stroking his chin and looking at me the first time he sees me upon coming back, it's like, what's this? To which I tell him, it is a beard. You may grow one when you become a man. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, I can't find my copy of the book. Oh, no. Okay, well, I, I have the thing. Tell open, me about so. them. Tell me about them, and I will tell you which ones I like. Okay, so no future page 177 game information. Mm -hmm. We have mm -hmm. two qualities. One is networker, which costs five karma. And this allows the cost of all contacts to be reduced by one, the cost, to a minimum cost of one. So a one-one contact will cost you one karma. The second is massive network. It costs 20 karma. Um, the cost of all contacts is reduced by two to a minimum cost of two. This does not stack with the five karma quality. So a three or a two-two contact will cost you two karma. It essentially means that for a massive network, you will never have just a one-one contact because there's no point. Whereas networker, you can have a whole bunch of fun, cheap contacts. Mm. That is I, high quality I, I content to, you're you're creating there. I I I would have to agree. Those aren't impressing me. So there you go. Um, no, I'm not overly impressed. I would have to agree with Bamps there. They're not overly impressive. Oz, do you see something that is impressive about them? No. 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 I just wondered. Um. So like, I mean, I mean, give me give me an idea one of you of of a better quality that would help a face out more as far as networking or producing spin or something so allow I mean, me to point you, know. you to mm -hmm. the better than bad section about getting new contacts and stuff like that yeah where that that's a better way of doing it <laughs> oh, um oh, oh, i saw a typo i'm sorry go on <laughs> oh god oh, no. the bad uh, the bad all of the typos I'm terribly sorry I lost whatever the question was in your uh, better than bad you saw qualities in there about or something I asked what can we do to help faces do better you know in in dealing with contacts or networking or, or spin or or manipulation and you said better than bad we talked about how the contacts in there got uh, um, I am weird in that I have a philosophy that a face should never roll dice that they don't already know the outcome to. And sure. granted, I didn't read the fluffy sections of Cutting Aces because I'm a bad person, as we continue to talk about. Mm -hmm. But the there are so many ways to gain advantage over people. Mm -hmm. And if you are going into a situation as a face and you haven't pulled up the uh, situational modifiers table for social interactions with people, then you are selling yourself short and are just hoping to roll a pile of dice and say, I con him. So the way we make that better in this situation... Um, as far as 
I don't have a good answer for this. Um, somebody else go so that I can formulate my. <laughs> okay. Words. Somebody else go. Qualities for faces. Oh, that typo is bugging me now. Thanks. No, you're <laughs> I had to share my misery. Qualities for faces. What could we have done in the culture book if we really wanted to help faces be even more better? You know, I I kind of think I would like to see a because we've got like like Bamps was saying we've got the the social interaction modifier table that most people ignore, but maybe a quality like um like being able to read the room, like a face goes uh-huh. in and is able to just hey, how about local sport? How about that local sports team? And it's just like this meaningless surface level babble that mm-hmm. immediately integrates yourself with the crowd that you're trying to pump for information. Like, See, but that doesn't need rules. That's just like an etiquette role or. No, no, no. This is a special reading the room, knowing your audience, reading the room. That is a special skill. Etiquette does no. not give you that. No, that's Eti- that's etiquette like is a social stealth skill. Yeah, etiquette is not going to tell you what you need to say to ingratiate yourself with an audience. Etiquette you, does not do that. You are attempting to blend in with the crowd. You are no. using etiquette. No! This, is, this is not blending in with the crowd. This is specifically reducing social modifiers or, or earning a bonus in order to seek out the information that you want. If you have got somebody you are trying to get information from, if there is a a pool of night errant security guards that are at the local bar and you need something from them, this is the kind of quality you'd be able to go in, make a couple of banal icebreaker questions, and they think you're one of the guys, and then you can start quietly getting the information you want out of them because clearly they're one of the good ones. Mm-hmm. I, I I like that idea. I now that I I enjoy that. I like that. I can relate to that as a face. I it's not etiquette. Don't argue with me on this one. You why, have been told, sir. <laughs> don't don't. What makes you think that being told to not argue <laughs> is going to stop me from arguing? No, if anything, it incites it. So we're gonna move on because we've been talking forever. <laughs> we have and I wanna get to our final and I don't want to end on a down note. But this is pretty – a lot of people don't realize that this is a thing. It is a thing. Oz, you know it's a thing. I know it's a thing. Mm -hmm. The snickerdoodle recipe. The snickerdoodle recipe. The snicker – for a lot of people, they just thought, oh, wow, what a weird, whimsical thing for them to put in the book. No, I, I no. take my cookies seriously. I take my cookies <laughs> seriously. God damn it. Okay, so here here's my beef with this recipe. One. There's no beef in it. There's no, well, obviously there's no beef in it. Okay. <laughs> so your standard snickerdoodle does not have Greek yogurt, caramel squares, or dark brown sugar. Nope. It has none of those things. Mm-mm. Flour, baking soda, cream of tartar, cinnamon, salt, butter, white sugar, two eggs, vanilla extract, all of that, yes. This is a non-traditional snickerdoodle recipe. This is unique. No, it is not unique. It is not unique 
because I found the recipe with <laughs> Google search and it was almost exactly the same. The <sighs> only difference is that they included the baking instructions, which the one in no future does not have. In no future, they just give us the ingredients, but they don't tell us how to actually make it or put them together. Mm-hmm. But you found, and you've put it in your Reddit post, a I link did. to where if you want this recipe in its entirety um, with the actual instructions on how to make it, mm-hmm. you can follow the link in your Reddit post to mm-hmm. do so. But the beef that we have with this is this this is a recipe that it appears – I don't know for sure, but it appears as if they have borrowed it and put it in the book. Yeah. And I've, I've, it, it, my background, I've, I've been an editor at a newspaper and, and you cite your sources. You just have to, which is why I, I come down on anybody who tells me a wiki is a source. It's not. So this is basically kind of plagiarism. Yeah. It is right. It's. It, I want to say it in a whispered tone because it's so bad to actually say. Because, <gasps> but it kind of is. And I don't understand why. I number one, I don't understand why a cookie recipe was in it. Number one, number two, why did they put it in there and not give a credit? Number three, they could have just put in a basic snickerdoodle recipe, and nobody would have batted an eye. Yeah. Because that is a basic, everybody has that. But because this is a unique recipe, it called it out more. Yeah. And that, that is the thing. That is also my background. I went to, I was, I was in journalism school for four years, University of Vatterino. Go Wolfpack. Okay. You cite your sources and you will get slammed hard if you mm-hmm. do not cite your sources. It's, it's the basis for, for any academic paper. You cite mm-hmm. your damn sources. Yes. It is okay to take something from somebody else as long as you give them their due credit. So it is very surprising. Um, I don't understand the purpose of the recipe in the book at all. The purpose of the recipe is, you know, the, the ad is not supposed to be about the cookies. It's supposed to be, this is not an alchemical preparation, or maybe it is. It's a, it's a preparation for influence spells is, is what the note says. So they make this cookie, they change some of the ingredients so it's more magical, and they feed somebody a cookie, and soon enough they're going to forget all of their troubles because that was in the Matrix. The movie, not the data realm that is in the sixth world. <laughs> so what do we think about this, uh, Bamps, Zakar? I know what Oz and I think about it. Uh, what do you guys think about it? <laughs> If you're getting something from somebody else, you should definitely at least cite the source. That's that's always a thing. I don't know. They don't give cooking instructions. Maybe that's how they decided that they don't need to, but it's... Hmm. All right. Bamps, what do you think? Why? Why what? Why is it in there? Why does this matter? Just why? <laughs> uh it it's a cute thing but why am i it's not just that you have this cookie recipe back there to things that are questionable about it right it's the fact that this is an entire page mm-hmm. 
it's like a full page ad on these cookies. Yeah. There were a lot of full page ads in the book, but we're only going to talk about the cookie one. Um, yep, only the cookies. But yes, when, when, you know, pages in a book are, are like prime real estate, to they see are. it spent on this, I could see as a fan myself, I, I wish that page was devoted to something that gave me more info on the world. So there's, in addition to the cookie recipe, there is a couple of other things that are back there. Like, the, or, yeah, I don't want to talk no. about those things. Sorry, they, it is relevant to the conversation. Oh, you have lost control again. I'm um, out. Maria Mercurial was a huge uh, a module. That's the word I wanted. Mm-hmm. That like you know is famous and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So when I get to the back of the book. And I see a, uh, I guess we'll call it a ticket stub or yeah. like a little advertisement for Maria Mercurial concert. Mm-hmm. That's a cool thing because I get it because I know who Maria Mercurial is. I don't know who this asshole with the cookies is. Are they somebody? Have they been somebody in previous editions that I just don't know because I don't read that stuff? No. Okay. I do read that stuff. And no, Granny Sweet Spells is ostensibly something that was supposed to be from second and third edition, but was not granny sweet spell is just a thing in fifth edition, specifically this book. So I'm cool with the idea of mixing in some, some stuff like the Maria McCurl. If there was a big picture of like the Carl combat mage movie that was coming out, like as an advertisement mm. like that, I'd yeah. be on board. I'd be okay yeah. with that. This is random. And as it, it did. Yeah. It felt random. And as was mentioned, uh, page space is at a premium, which is why it's just extra questionable. Uh, and then you also have three quarters of a page of rules for hats. <laughs> People love their hats, so don't you know? But the no. uh, farewell ticket stubs. Now that was a that's a big thing, and we're still trying to figure that out. There's the subliminal or secret message. On that page. Super secret. There's Super a secret, secret message on that page. You didn't realize there was a secret message on that page? No, I saw that there were Marie Mercurial things. I thought, oh, that's cute. And then I okay. stopped paying attention. So how about you look at it and see it? But yes, you there's a only miss message. what you don't see. See? <laughs> so there's speculation now about what does that mean? I know, I know Oz uh, speculated about it oh. a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was kind of neat to have that kind of subliminal messaging in there. You know, what does that mean? What is it trying to tell us? So I liked that. I I did like that. It, the page didn't feel random. The cookie page does. They they are poking at the lore a bit and kind of do it, trying to do some dropping some hints and things, which is kind of mm-hmm. neat. So maybe the cookie thing is just a random thing that somebody decided to add. I don't know. I do want to point out, since we're talking about the Maria McCurgill thing, it's four pages. Like, the little ticket stubs, they have slightly different backgrounds, so, the colors are different pages, and it is four pages when you could... These are these are four pages that are after everything else. I wonder if mm-hmm. these are inserts in the book, in the print oh, book. Oh, maybe? It could be, because we know be? that um, the the title page of the PDF is specifically set 
to be the the front and rear covers and apparently I, I hate that I hate it so much <laughs> right and apparently they did it that way because um the second page which is a different version of the of cover. the the cover is supposed to be a quote unquote an AR or a holographic filter that's supposed to come with the hard cover the hard copy book and mm-hmm. you slip it over and you see the different thing which kind of sh- shows you how how AR affects what you actually see kind of a cool thing it it is i do like that and i i hope to see that at gen con yes um but also having the amount of ads on the back end when they say of course space is at a premium it's like what the hell guys <laughs> these are all different size too so i yeah. wonder if like the cards are like a card sheet or something like that maybe you- it may be an insert, and like I said, it'll be interesting to see the actual physical book. Um, so I think we're going to wrap up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff we could go on and on and talk about in no future. Um, we can also discuss the the new logo, but let's not. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole another. That's a whole another episode. That's a whole another episode. So let's let's not and just. Uh, wrap it up. So we'll let uh, Bamps. It's your show. Why don't you just wrap it up? Uh, I'll let you guys say goodbye first, and then I'll just kind of go through with it. So this way, I don't okay. have to stop and come back to you because you don't want to. Okay. Yeah, Bye. Basically. Bye. Thank Bye. you. Thanks. For have a me. wonderful night, everybody. Uh, this is Oz again. I do sound <laughs> editing. Catch my reviews and out of two point out stuff on the Shadowrun subreddit. If you search for Ozer, you'll be able to find my stuff. Um, otherwise, have a great time, everybody. I'll put a link to some of his stuff that he gives me in uh, the release for this. I don't have anything to promote, to promote, but, you know, I'm here. Thanks for having me. He's on the Discord. You guys can talk to him there. He's a fine person. He's on the Discord, he's a great person. He's wonderful. He's GMing for his family. Children are playing D&D. They are loving it. He is making a generation of new gamers, and it's fantastic. You're doing your part, sir. True story. You're welcome. That is the thing. We all said goodbye. Yeah, I guess you did. Um, Thank you guys for listening. I'm sorry that this was half good and half (gasps) we weren't really super enthusiastic about. Um, What? No, that's accurate. That's accurate. Keep going. Yeah, no, she just made a sound, so, you know, I gotta check in, because she's in charge. Good. Um, uh, I forgot my words. Uh, (laughs) Fix it in post. Oh, wait, that's me. There is no post on this. This is just gonna get truncated and balanced and put out there. Um, the... Um... I still am going to do a $25 gift card to drive through RPG to people who are on our patron list, leave an iTunes review and follow us on Podbean because that's where I upload. And that's the easiest place that I can find people's names to try and get a hold of. Um, use it to buy either use it to buy something else. Use it to make your day better. Um, that being said, if you guys do want to pick up either of the books we talked about today or really anything else, I will also have our drive through affiliate link in the bottom so that you guys can help support the show. Um, 
it's nice to not have to pay full price for books because you guys are helping out. I saved, uh, I saved some money when I picked up both of the the books that we talked about today. So that's cool. And you guys are awesome for helping the show. Uh, anything else I got to cover? No sound effects mm-hmm. were not done by Sirenscape. Um, no, there's no sound effects. Maybe mention your uh, upcoming anniversary podcast. Oh, snap. Yeah. Yeah, I could show that, I guess. Um, we are closing in on our one-year anniversary for continuing to produce episodes, and that's crazy. Um, Mary Sue is collecting all kinds of questions and comments and stuff from people. So, Oh, man. I'm supposed to be doing that. Yeah, get on it. <laughs> Um, she has a couple of questions and I want more because I am greedy and (laughs) the more questions we have, the more stuff that we can talk about. Uh, I'm probably going to drag Oz kicking and screaming onto that show because, you know, (laughs) that'll be exciting. I'm sure you're really going to have to twist his arm. It'll be, I don't know. I've, I've managed to dodge like the last two production meetings. So I am. I am certain that something will come up. <laughs> you didn't dodge them, sir. I gave them to you to listen to afterwards. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't have to, like... Be on part- it. Participate? Right. I didn't have to, yeah, participation. That's not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Say goodbye, GM. Uh, I think that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay tuned for the Call of Cthulhu mini-campaign after the... <gasps> oh. What? That was good. No! Why not? No! Oh, fine. Yes! Now we have to fix it in post. No. No! (laughs) Anyway, good night, everybody. Have a wonderful time. (laughs) I am taking over now. (laughs) You have lost the power. You have lost the power. Craig, get out of here. Craig, go. Thankfully, you can't reach that channel. (laughs) Um... (laughs) But yeah, no, I guess uh, if you guys have questions about whatever that whole thing was there, uh, hit me up on the Discord. I'll be happy to explain it to you and uh, or really any other way that you guys get to do that stuff. I hope to be releasing the uh, the one year anniversary probably towards the end of February. A, mm-hmm. uh, a cursory look should show that we will get to the the end of the current run with Howard on it before then so i would love to get all of that stuff out there so that we can talk about the entirety of that run and i will try to also get howard on to uh to be there because yeah. that's part be of cool. the cast and all yeah yeah he is so with all that out of the way everybody starts saying goodbye very awkwardly and i will go find the craig button to make him go away goodbye. Um, bye. Bye, bye. he's still here bye. keep it up no, just, oh my gosh. Bye. Bye. Bye.